Open your Bibles in 1 Corinthians chapter 13 this morning. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, we are still in our series entitled Relationships. We're going to look at chapter 13. Chapter 13 is sandwiched between two other chapters, right? Chapter 12 and chapter 14. Right between that is chapter 13. Chapter 12 is all about the spiritual gifts. Okay, so I want you to open your Bible there. All about the spiritual gifts. But Paul is actually talking about to the church of their misuse of the spiritual gifts. They were all wanting the showy gifts, if you will. They wanted the gifts of healing. They wanted the gift of tongues. They wanted the gift of prophecy. And that's what they wanted, and they, they were striving after those gifts. And Paul was putting them in their place saying, hey, those are just the showy gifts. There's more important gifts than those, and that's the gifts behind, the people behind the scenes working. And he's talking to the Corinthian church here. And uh, so it's all about spiritual gifts are, the gifts are for each other in the church to edify and build up the church. And so Paul is kind of setting them straight there in chapter 12. Well, then he comes to chapter 13, he talks about love. Chapter 14, he's back on gifts again. Okay, so follow that. Now, the spiritual gifts are here so that they're, they can serve each other and they can minister to each other and all of that. And he says, ah, there's something more important than gifts. There's more important than that. So look at chapter 12, the last verse of chapter 12, as we begin this. He says this. So you should earnestly desire the most helpful gifts. So instead of desiring these showy gifts, the prophecy, the tongues, the healing, instead of desiring those, he said you should be more desiring the helpful gifts, the ones behind the scenes, okay, the ones that are more beneficial for the church. And then he says this, and this is what I really want you to grab a hold of, all right? He says, but now let me show you a way of life that is best of all. Let me show you a way of life that's more important than, than all the gifts. Let me show you what's more valuable. The title of the message this morning is simply this, what matters most? And so Paul is saying, right in the midst of these spiritual gifts, he said, now just stop for a minute. Let's, let's talk about what really matters most. So I want you to get that in your head. What we're going to talk about this morning is what matters most in relationships, and it's what matters most in life. And, and this philosophy or this idea that uh, love is just, you know, this ooze stuff that, you know, just people, uh, especially guys, all right? Guys, we don't talk about love all the time. Well, listen, it's the most important thing. As we're going to see, it is, Paul says. Okay, let's, let's dive into verse 1, and let's jump into this, all right? He says in verse 1, he says, If I could speak all languages of the earth and of angels but I didn't love others, I would be only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. <laughs> In other words, the idea is love without words, or, or words without love, listen, is just noise. Words, if you don't live a life of love and you're, you're communicating to your children and it's not out of love, they don't see this life of love, you're just speaking a lot of noise. You ever felt that way when you're talking to a teenager? It's, you're, just, you're just talking, and they're not getting it. Hey, listen, 
in relationship, husband and wife. If you're not living, if, if the wife is not living a life of love, and she's talking to her husband, it's just like ashes. You're speaking, and they just turn into ashes. It doesn't matter. Life without love. Living a life without love means your words don't matter. What I say will not matter. Now, we all love great communicators, right? We, we love great speakers. I, I'm always listening to podcasts and listen to people preaching, and I just, they just stir me up. But what God says is this, it doesn't impress me if you don't have love. Go to Galatians chapter 5. Look at Galatians chapter 5 and verse 6. Basically says the same thing. For when we place our faith in Christ Jesus, there was no benefit of being circumcised or being uncircumcised. What is important is faith expressing itself in love. So what God is saying, he's saying that what matters most in life is not our accomplishments. And yet we spend more time on accomplishments than we do practicing love for one another. I mean, we're striving for those accomplishments. Can I hear an amen? We want to accomplish things for our family. We want to accomplish things for ourselves. God says more than that is, more than the accomplishment, love matters more. God says, what matters more than accomplishments? It matters more than your achievements, your fame, your wealth. What matters is do you love me and do you love people? That's the bottom line. So here it is, point number one. If I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter. Think about that. Nothing I say will matter. That's what Paul's saying. Then he goes on to verse 2. Look what he says in verse 2. Back to Corinthians chapter 13. He says this, if I had the gift of prophecy and if I understood all God's secret plans, now just think about it, if I understood all God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, now he makes this personal, I would be nothing. So the idea is what I know, because he says, you know, if you had all this knowledge, if, if I don't have love, even all the stuff that I know doesn't really matter. Now think, think about that for a moment. There's some brilliant people out there. You could be a genius. You could be a Bible scholar. You could have this incredible ability to know science and math and literature and history and all of this. But God says all of that just means squat. Because we, we strive after knowledge, don't we? We strive. We strive after knowledge. And God says none of that really matters in comparison, comparison to love. As a matter of fact, if you don't have love, it is literally worthless. Now think about, we're exploding in knowledge, aren't we? Every six years, we double our knowledge. Every six years. And yet, we're still the same old, same old problems. War, terrorists, crime, abuse, prejudice, hatred, violence. Why? Because what the world needs is not more knowledge. It's more love. Who'd have thunk it that the Beatles were right back in the late 60s? Right? I mean, 
Now, trust me, their love is not the same word as we're going to, to see in Corinthians, the agape love, but still, they had, they had the right thinking. Way off base in the definition of love, but, but you know, all that matters, according to Paul here, is love. So, so here, here's what I'm saying. If, if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say will matter, nothing I know will matter, and then we go to the third, third thought, and that is in the same verse, verse 2, nothing I believe will matter. This is Paul talking. He said, you can have all the faith to be able to move mountains, but if I don't love, I mean, I am nothing. So, so if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say, nothing I know, nothing I believe, that doesn't matter. Now, that's mind-boggling. See, we, we get this idea that Christianity is following Christ is just believing certain biblical truths. But it's so much more than that. It's believing and practicing, believing and doing. See, see, believing, if I truly believe, let's just say salvation, if I truly believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross 2,000 years ago, his blood was shed for my sin, I really genuinely believe that, and that the Bible says all I have to do is trust in what he did on the cross 2,000 years, that blood that he shed, as my payment for sin. If I truly believe that, it would motivate me to act, to receive Christ as my Savior. It would, it would motivate me. So, so following Christ is believing and practicing truths. It's not just believing a lot of facts. So relationships are more important than accomplishments. Think about it, okay? The Bible tells me if I say I love God and I hate people, in 1 John, he says I'm a liar. So bottom line is relationships are more important. Loving other people are more important. So if I don't live a life of love, nothing I say, nothing I know, nothing I believe. And then he goes to another one, verse 3. Look at verse 3. If I give everything I have to the poor and even sacrifice my body, I could boast about it, but if I don't have love, I would have gained nothing. See, we're striving for all these other things. We're striving for accomplishments. We're striving for fame. We're striving just to get by. But the bottom line is what we should be get up, getting up in the morning and really focusing on is practicing loving people. practicing it, figuring out what is best for the other person regardless of personal sacrifice. People are more important than things. But he goes through the fourth thought, okay? Nothing I give will matter. He's talking about giving his body, even if I become a martyr, if I don't do it out of love. You say, is there such a thing as giving and not giving out of love? Well, yeah, because sometimes we give to what? Get. Anybody ever done that? I think we have. You give in order to get. Some people give out of guilt. Okay? 
the past. They've done something in their past, and, and so now they're, they're given, trying to make up for it because the, the, the guilt is just pressing on them. Of course, that's, that's the devil. That's the enemy. And, of course, the world doesn't let up either. When you've messed up, the world is on you. Even Christianity categorizes sin. So when, you, when you've done something, Christians are even on you as well. Can I hear an Amen. I was talking to somebody yesterday, and they talked about their sin that, that they did a long time ago, but God really healed them, and they're no longer there. But Christians judging them, constantly judging them. Constantly. Well, here's the great thing about that. Okay, a lot of people feel, a lot of Christians, we are a mess. Can I hear an amen? That was bad. Let me rephrase. You're a mess, Amen. That's better. Okay, so, so we're, all, we're, we're believers, and so we stumble, we mess up. The great thing, the great truth of the Word of God is, you and I as believers, even though we stumble and we fall, which we do all the time, the Bible says if we confess our sin, He is faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from that guilt. That is vital. But what we do, what we don't do is claim what that song just said. We don't believe. We don't believe that that verse is really true because the world's on us, Christianity's on us, people are on us. But when I genuinely say, God, I messed up, I agree with you that I blew it completely. The Bible says instantly we're cleansed. And then we have to, listen, we have to believe and we have to walk in it. Every time our mind condemns us, we combat that lie with the truth of the word of God. That I am clean. Right now, if you came this morning and you confessed your sin, you are standing before a holy God as holy. Not because of what you've done. Not because of what I've done. But because of what he's done and because of what he has promised. So I don't have to carry that guilt around. So we don't have to give out of guilt. Some people, they give to try to control people. Parents are good at this, Amen. Uh, that's why I'm so good at my father-in-law's house. Because I know one of these days the inheritance is coming my way. Can I hear, amen? So I walk the line. I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Maybe. I always have to add that I'm kidding because some people take that and run with it. All right? No matter what I say, if I don't live a life of love, no matter what I say, no matter what I know, no matter what I believe, no matter what I give, none of that will matter if I don't live a life of love. And then we come to the last one. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the last part of verse 3, and I want to look in the message version. No, I shouldn't say version, the message commentary. I call it the commentary. I'm going to start at the very bottom. Okay, what I believe. Well, we'll go, so no matter what I say, follow this, what I believe, what I do, I am bankrupt without love. I'm bankrupt. No matter what I say, no matter what I do, I am bankrupt without love. So you could, you could, you could store up all these or rack up all these personal achievements. You could be on the front of the uh, Fortune magazine, Time magazine. You could win the Nobel Peace Prize. And we know a lot of losers have won that one, amen? But a lot of good people... Okay, but there's some losers that, that won that price. But the point is you could, you, could have, you could be the entrepreneur of the year, billion-dollar company, but God says it's worth squat if we don't love. Now, 
We hear all these messages and we hear all this stuff all the time. I mean, great stuff, but we as believers can get hardened to this word love. We get hardened. And it really means nothing until we get into this kind of stuff where he says this is more valuable than anything. This is the only thing in life that really matters. God says relationships are more important than accomplishments. Relationships are more important than any of that stuff. You could be a a great orator. You could be a miracle worker. You could be a, a, a superstar and achieve all this. But he said, if you don't have love in your heart, it's worth zero. It doesn't count in the eyes of God. One day, we're going to stand before the Lord. And he's going to evaluate us. And his, his evaluation is not going to be based on our bank accounts. And yet that's what we work hard every day for. The problem is we work every day harder for that than we do loving people. Can't hear an amen. That's, I mean, that's where we're at. We get up in the morning, we're all about ourselves, we're all about this, and we got to check that bank account, we go online, pay our bills. I mean, that's where our focus is, and we don't even think about other people. We don't even think about loving. So is this really real? Is this genuine? It's kind of it's it's scary that he's going to evaluate me on what I don't even think of on a daily basis. He's going to evaluate my life, not on my bank account, not on my accomplishments, not on my, not on my grades, praise God. Amen? Not on my sports trophy. Now, that really upsets me. How many, are, how many are you love sports? Yeah, when I was young, I was great at basketball. I mean, I got a trophy for, for highest score every year for like five years. Then my mom lost all of them in the move. That's enough to get bitter for the rest of your life. Can I hear an amen? No, seriously, it doesn't matter. That's what he's saying. All these trophies and all these, all these things that we gain, God says it doesn't matter when it comes to what's valuable. Because what's valuable is people. His great commandment, love him and love others. It's the great commandment. Love the Lord with all of our heart, all of our soul, and all of our mind, and then love each other as we would ourselves. I mean, we love ourselves, don't we? Amen. We go to a furniture store. What do you look for? You look for that couch. Now they have these things right here. Now they have the head goes up and down. Cool, isn't it? Your feet go up. That's, that's not. But now they got something where your head, because you're laying down in your lazy boy, and now your head can come up so you can watch TV while you're still laying down. I mean, we, seriously. Am I the only one that thinks that's a great thing? I mean, it's just, that's where we are in this generation. We love ourselves. But what about each other? Now, here's the question. Here's the huge question. If this is true, let's look at this. You got that? Starts, if love is that powerful, okay? Okay. If love is that powerful, what just Paul told us, it's more valuable than all that stuff we just talked about. If it's that powerful... If it's the primary objective in life, it's the supreme value of life. If if it's what matters most in life, what is it? 
right? What is love? What, what truly is love? Now, what we think in America, we, we, we have one word for love. And really, it, it's kind of awkward. I love my wife. And when I say that, you kind of understand that she's my world. She's my everything. She's, she's, she's number one. Okay, so, so, and then that same word is used for Krispy Kreme. I love Krispy Kreme. Does that even make sense? No. I, I, love, I love Peyton Manning. Well, I've never even met the guy. But seriously, we say, well, I love Peyton Manning. He's a great character, all this, compared to my wife. But we use that same word. But in the Greek, it's got four words. And I want to share with you these real quick, all right? The first one is the passionate love, eros. And it's the, the sex between uh, husband and wife. It's that love. It's a patriot love. A person loves his, his country. It's an ambitious love. A person wants power. So the first one is eros, and it, it's not used in the New Testament, but it's the Greek word for love. The second one is uh, an affectionate love. It's a storge uh, love, and it is the love from a parent to a child, a citizen to a trustworthy ruler, and that love neither is used in the New Testament. Then we come to phileo love, and phileo love is that love between husband and wife. It's uh, love between a brother and uh, a great friend, uh, a dear friend, and a cherished friend. It's kind of, I'm really fond uh, of you. It's where the brother uh, Philadelphia got their name. And then, of course, number four, and this is the word that's used in Corinthians. Listen very carefully. It is a selfless, sacrificial love. It's that love that captures the mind, the reason, and the will. It captures the whole person. And here's, here's how I put it. It's, I've said this for years. It's doing what's best for the other person regardless of personal cost. And God so loved the world that he gave, that's what the world needed, his son. I mean, we all needed our sins paid for. So God gave his son, and what a personal cost. To die on the cross. And so this is the love that you and I should be striving for. We should be striving to practice that kind of love in our daily world more than accomplishments, more than our bank accounts, more than all this other stuff. But we get busy, we get wrapped up in our lives, and this one literally escapes us. And so when it, comes to our, when it comes to our relationships with our wife, that kind of love, our husband, that kind of love is very rarely practiced. We're in this relationship to see what we can get out of this relationship, or at least that's how we act. And so, so it's a difficult thing to practice. I'm going to love my wife more than I love myself. And so the things I think, the things I do, my behavior, that should be the goal of each spouse, okay? Putting my wife before me, okay? Philippians chapter 2 talks about that as well. 
So it doesn't, it's just not, not my wife. Then it trickles down to my children. Then it trickles down to my neighbors. Then it trickles down to my church. Then it trickles down to my friends. This is the love that I should be practicing towards everybody. And I mean reaching for it. Striving. But that kind of love is hardly even known in America. Because we're out for the American dream. Aren't we? I mean, that's what we're going for. We want people to think of us nicely. Well, what we should be thinking, we want this person to be elevated and not me. That's genuine love. But we don't even think that way in America. It's kind of a different, we have a different thought process than what Paul had. Everything Paul's talking about is for, about other people. Now, real quickly, let me give you a couple of thoughts. This kind of love is a command. It is not a suggestion. Look at 2 John chapter 1 and verse 6. Look at this. Love means doing what God's command is. I mean, in other words, if we love God, okay, we know that from John chapter 15. Love means doing what God has commanded us. And what has he commanded us? Agape. And he has commanded us to love one another, just as we've heard from the beginning. Other people are more valuable. Now, now, the great commandment says, I love them as I love myself, okay? But Jesus says, love others more than myself. So if, you're, if you struggle with self-centeredness, and don't raise your hand because we would all raise our hand, okay? Everyone. You struggle with self-centeredness or you struggle with attitudes when people do you wrong, it, it's because our thought process is kind of different. When somebody does us wrong, shouldn't we be concerned about them? Oh, you're such an idiot. I don't want you to do this anymore because I'm sure everybody else thinks the same thing I'm thinking. You're, you're just making a fool of yourself. I don't, I, genuinely, I don't want them to live like that where they have no friends. They're pushing everybody away. Well, if I really love them, I, you know, it, it doesn't mean I'm just going to put them down and set them straight. I'm going to figure out how can I help them rather than thinking, I'm writing that jerk off, right? Just, I'm done with that friend. He's done. But if you really love them, they're not, am I making sense? I, I'm, just, I'm just being transparent because we don't want to be a church that's an American church. We want to be a church that genuinely loves each other. I think that's it. That if somebody's hurting, we want to be there for them. I don't mean they just wear us out. But I mean, we just, as long as the Lord's speaking to us, we want to be there for them in whatever area they're struggling. That's what Paul's trying to get off to the Corinthian church here. He's trying to communicate to them. The people in the church are more valuable than the gifts. And you striving to be the center of attention with all these showy gifts. Working behind the scenes, encouraging, begging God reaching the throne of heaven for your brother and sister. You're sacrificing time for them because they're going through something. That's love. That's agape love rather than just begging God on your own behalf. Isn't that right? Look at your prayer list, and if it has me, 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 then you're going to know where you're at in your spiritual walk. You're still self-focused. So love is a command. It's not a feeling. Not something you 
you fall into. And you're walking down the street, and all of a sudden, there's this person there. Oh, I love them so much. I just fell into a ditch, you know. Not that kind of. Love is not a feeling. It produces feelings. Oh, man. When you, when you begin to focus on a person, you're praying for them, and you're, real, you're really all about them, it produces fantastic emotion. But it's not an emotion. It produces it. It's a command. You see, honestly, when we're practicing this kind of love, this is where Jesus is talking about John 10, 10. I've come that you might have life, that you might have it more abundantly. If our number one goal was just to love people and give and serve, then all these things that trip us up and bother us wouldn't even bother us because they're way down here on the list. Like when people don't look at us or don't shake our hands and we get, oh, we get all bent out of shape because we think they're mad at us and that we can't think of anything else but that. Well, if they were valuable, we'd be thinking of things, how we could help. We wouldn't be worried about getting our feelings hurt and getting bent out of shape. It's a command. Number two, it's a choice. Love is a command. Love is a choice. Let's put that verse back up there. Same verse. 2 John 1, 6. Love means doing what God commanded us to do, and he has commanded us to love one another. Now listen, we have a choice. You, can, you don't have to do this. We have a choice. We can say, nah, I don't think so. I like my priorities in my life, and I'm going to continue with my priorities. And I'm just going to go to church, and we have these good sermons. I'm just going to listen. When, they, when preacher starts meddling like this, I'm just going to... Because as I'm studying this, I was uncomfortable because I fall way short. But it's something I should strive for. And we're going to talk a little bit about uh, what we're going, to, we're going to actually talk about in the next two weeks. We're going to dive into 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and we're going to look how it's patient. We're going to look that these things that the Bible tells us is an uh, evidence of love. It's an expression of love. True, genuine love is these Seven things that we're going to dive into, okay, over the next couple of weeks. So it's a command. It's a choice. It's a conduct. It's a behavior. It's an action. I mean, literally, it's something we do. First John chapter 3, verse 18, John's talking to uh, us, and he's saying, let's stop saying we love people. Let's say it, and then well, let's do something about it. When, when somebody comes in and, and, and they're in need, let's, let's feel some compassion for them. I had a girl come in this morning. We have people coming by, and, and so she came in this morning, and, and she's bawling her eyes out. She's going on a mission trip, and she's short in money. They're leaving tomorrow. She has to have it to give to her school as they go on this mission trip, and she want to know if there's anything we can do. And, you know, I really felt for her as I'm sitting. She comes home. She comes from this rough background, and, 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 but she's in the, the school, and she's trying to better herself, you know, and, and uh, you know, just really felt for her. All of us should have compassion like that when we look at, when we talk to people, and, and, and especially 20-year-olds that are bawling her eyes out. Doesn't that get to you? I mean, just, just, just grabs a hold of you. But it's a conduct. Number four, it's a commitment. 
It's a commitment. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Whoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God said he loved the world, but then he gave his son. That, my friend, is a commitment. But let's just, let's just draw to a conclusion here. Okay, just, just talking, okay? If this really is the object that, that I am to love, really genuinely love you guys, and you should be my primary focus, not as your pastor, just as a church. You should be what I strive for every day. If that be the case, there, be, there should be, that should motivate me to act, correct? Call, text, pray, dinners. So you guys need to bite me over a lot more, amen? Okay, so, so we should be doing a lot more, but not just us, our neighbors, people that walk by. I'll tell you, I was, I was so excited. Let me just tell you this. I was so excited yesterday. We had, we had just about 100 people come through, and we were expecting six or 700 people according to CPO, which they're a great organization, but they did all the advertising. And so a guy in our church, it, we're coming down to the close, coming down to the wire. And he says, is there any more flowers? I got to go out and I, I, I got to go out and I got to tell people about there's free groceries here. I get there's free groceries. Again, this. So he runs around the neighborhood. And I don't know if he was hollering outside of his car or what, running up to their house and knocking on the door. But he was, he was telling about free groceries, free groceries, come to church. <laughs> go out to the byways. And the hedges and compelled them to come in. That just stirred my heart because, I mean, he was genuinely concerned to help these people. What a great example for us. So let me just give you a couple of things that you could do. Write this stuff. Just, just four thoughts, okay? Four or five thoughts. Here it goes. Learn how mature love acts and responds. What I mean by that is be here next week. Every Sunday we have 25, 27 people. Half the band was gone. It's all right, all right. It's summertime. We want to just kind of. The point is, be here so we can see how mature love acts and responds. Number two, start your day with a daily reminder to love. If you truly believe what the Bible says and what Paul said, that this is the primary objective in life. If you genuinely believe that. Now, if you don't believe it, don't worry about it. But if you genuinely believe that what we're talking about here is really true, then every day for the next week, as we're diving into chapter 13, remind yourself for about 10 minutes, love is the most important thing. My wife is truly the most important thing. My children are more valuable than my own personal space, my own personal time, my own personal goals, my own personal accounts. They're more important than any of this. As we think about, you know, relationships. And then how, what can I do to show them? Now, see, I believe as a husband, as a man, I do things for my wife and she should know that's saying I love you. Correct? But for somehow, when I do this, it's translated over to this side as, I don't care. Like, like for example, I, I bring a paycheck home every week. Every week. Shouldn't that paycheck say, I love you? What's it translate? That's your job. <laughs> okay? 
my wife works. That's my money too. That goes in the pot. I tell her that. She says, no, that's my money. That's my spending money. That's the translation, right? I'm kidding. But the point is, how we men think that our love should see how we love them. If we really genuinely loved our wife, now listen, listen, men, listen. Find out how to communicate to your wife where she, in such a language that she understands she is the most important thing to you. Don't just say, oh, you should have you got it. I, I don't know how many. I, we do a lot, a lot of counseling. Hopefully we're getting that off our plate. But I do a lot of counseling for years and years and years. Men come in. Yeah, I've given my wife everything. Everything she ever dreamed. I mean, I've, I've given her a brand new house. I've given her this car. I've given her everything. All this. Why is she leaving? It's because you forgot the main ingredients. You didn't. Or I, I, did you give her love? And of course, the answer was, he said yes, but she said no. So number one, just uh, learn how mature love acts and responds. Uh, spend the first part of your day uh, reminding yourself of this truth, how valuable it is. And third, memorize God's scripture on love. Memorize some verses like we just talked about. And some of these verses here, you know, uh, where love is the most. Maybe the great commandment. Love the Lord thy God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself, okay? And then number four is practice acting unselfish and in some loving ways. Practice it. Practice it. I mean, you say, well, you, you shouldn't be practicing that. We gotta get, we've got to get into the habit of treating people kind because we're, we're just, if people don't matter and you're more valuable and you're more selfish, you just smart off to people. Can I hear an Amen. Somebody cut you off in a car. What's your first instinct? I love you, man. <laughs> I hope you get to where you're going without a wreck. What's our first instinct? I mean, we're just hot. I mean, just, it's just us. There's nobody here. Just us. I mean, we get hot when people cross us. But that's not Bible. What that is is self-centeredness. And that's what we got to constantly remind ourselves. So practice these things. And number five, get support from other loving people. Other people that love, other people that, that are con, con, uh, you know, con, genuinely concerned for people, genuinely care. Have them call you during the week to ask you how you're doing. How you doing? You cut anybody off this week? How you doing, man? Have you, have you been, did you get up this morning, memorize that verse? Did you, did you think about practicing and who you could practice on to, today? You know, just, just get somebody to help hold you accountable. You say, why? If Paul's right, and this is the most valuable thing that you should be striving for, let's just bring it down to the ground. If this is it, shouldn't we be doing it? The answer is, of course, yes. Let's get all the help we can to change our ways that we're not like the United States 
you know, the, the, the church in the United States where it really has grown to be just a self-centered church. And, and it, it, we're just all about ourselves. And that's translated that we're all about this church and not the neighbors around. And if somebody throws a beer can uh, uh, in our yard, we're going to chase them down. That, they flip a cigarette butt into our grass. Those, those kinds of things. I mean, we, we get hot over some, some minor issues that really behind that is a person doing that. And a lot of these things that happen in our life, listen, it's just God allowing us to experience this so that we can have a connection with a person. Seriously, connection. I don't know how times you, you drive in a parking lot and you drive on in, and there's another parking lot straight across. So you drive on in, and here comes this woman getting ready to pull in there. And you just took her parking spot. Boom! She's flying the bird. You back up, she pulls in, you get out, and you apologize. I'm, God allowed that, wouldn't you think? For you to get out of the car and say, man, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to do that. I mean, that is love, connection. Minor. But if we're not careful, we'd get hot and give it back, right? Or we'd say, you ain't taking this spot. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I don't like your attitude. I'm just practical stuff. I mean, everyday stuff that we do that we don't even think about. This is real stuff. And Paul said it is the primary objective in life. Right, Greg? Let's bow our heads in a word of prayer. Father, we just come to you this morning. We just are so grateful for Paul and